Some passages in the Bible are hard to understand. They're hard to understand. And they, they raise more questions than answers, mostly to the modern reader. When you read it with a modern eyes and understanding of things, of culture, some passages are really hard to understand. It doesn't mean that those passages have lost value. It simply means that the contemporary reader needs to understand what it's meant back then and what it might mean to us today. You need to understand what that scripture meant to the people it was written to initially before you applied to today's context. The Bible speaks to us as directly as it spoke to the original audience. The Bible is still speaking. It's still speaking. You just need to know the context. But it's still alive. It's, it's, a, it's a living book. It's a living book. So the following scripture is one of those complex passages. Let me read it for you. Ephesians chapter 6, 5 to 9. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of, the, of your heart as you would Christ. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good each one does, Slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way, without threatening them. Because you know that both their master and yours are in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. To the modern mind, slavery is evil. To us, slavery is evil. Therefore, Paul was supposed to say something like this. Let's correct what just Paul has just said. Let's correct him. Slave masters, you are wrong. Set your slaves free just as Christ has set you free. Slavery is evil and has no place in the church. That sounds right, isn't it? Yeah. That's how we would love him to write it. But when you go in the Bible and you find slaves obey your human masters, what is going on here? Is Paul condoning slavery? And many people have used this scripture to judge the Bible and say, how could Paul say this? The, the issue with that approach is that in the first century, slavery was a way of life. It was the way of life. Some people volunteered to become slaves. It was not always cruel and by force and brutal. Being a slave was similar to having a job in some cases. In those days, if you, have, if you are a slave, that means you have a source of income for your family. So people volunteered to be slaves because they want the support, the financial support that comes with it. It was not always cruel as we know we know it. 
So asking slaves ma- slave masters to let their slaves go could mean asking them to fire some people from their jobs. Just asking slaves to leave could be like asking some people to resign from their jobs. Why? They didn't didn't have any other source of income. Now you get the context. And I'm not defending slavery. I'm not really here to defend slavery. I'm explaining the context in which Paul wrote Ephesians and what each word means or meant to the reader when they read it. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew... No Gentiles, neither slave or free, nor is there male or fe- and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You can see in Paul writing, it's clear that it's not reinforcing slavery. In his letter to Galatians, he shared his view on slaves and masters and slave masters, stating that they are all one in Christ. So, if Paul was not condoning slavery, what was he trying to say? What was he trying to tell them? God is a God of order. That's his message. God is God is a God of order. God operates in order. The universe is stable and life is possible on earth because everything is perfectly in order. Everything in the universe functions in order. That's why we are breathing here. To keep, to maintain the blessings of God, we need a structure. And that structure is called order. In our families, we need a structure. In our communities, we need a structure to sustain the blessings of God. When you Set up the structure right. God breathes on it. So order is not there to make you miserable. It's there to allow God to bless you. Last week we looked at order in the household. I said this last week for those who were not here. Women should submit. Wives should submit to their husband. But yes, yes, yes. I did not end there. No, no, no. No. Doug did not hear the rest. We said this. Men should lay down their lives for their wives. Lay down their lives. Thank you. I will repeat that. (laughs) Men should lay down their lives. So if someone submits, another one lay down their lives. What's going on there? There are things you men are not going to do because you have to lay down your life. It's not about you. It's about the person you are caring for. How she feels, what she wants. You want to please her. You want to make her. Oh. Lay down your life gives you the right for submission. 
No, that's not the topic for today. <laughs> In the book of Ephesians, Paul begins by explaining to the reader what God has done for them. That's the beginning of the book. Then he says, this should be your response to God after all that God has done. And then he says, this should be the response among you toward one another. This is how you should respond. So the first one is what God has done. The second one is how you will respond to God. And the third one, how should we respond toward one another? And he's talking about things. And then he gets here talking about one another. And he's now talking about order in the society. Order in society. And that's where we are. In Ephesians 5, Paul was talking to the congregation made of slaves and masters. It was the reality at hand. The church was made up of slaves and their masters. Paul was not asking Christian masters to let their Christian slaves go. He was asking Christian masters to treat their Christian slaves well. And Christian slaves to honor their masters order. Remember that Paul had preached their freedom in Christ. They got to the point where they confused the freedom in Christ with their freedom from their obligations. Paul is telling them that even though they've been set free by Christ, they still have jobs. They still belong to families. Those in the military are still under command and have authorities to honor. And their attitude toward their authorities was affecting the reputation of the church and the name of God. So bringing the text in context, Christ has set us free. We are no longer slaves of sin. We are not slaves of anyone. We are free. But we live in a structured community. There must be an order. Almost everywhere you go, you find someone in authority. Order is the structure on which God builds his blessings. Order attracts God's favor. Order is God's idea. Paul is telling us to examine our attitude toward authority around us. The Bible does not condone slavery as we know it. Paul was speaking to a culture in a specific context and economic structure. Today he would be talking about employers and employees. That could have been his language today. In every society, there is a need for a system. Therefore, we should honor authority. Authority is the right to exercise power. The right to exercise power. That's authority. Power is a force. Ability. Energy. To make an impact. Having power doesn't give you authority. Having power does not give you authority. Education is power. Because knowledge is power. Money is power. Spiritual gifts are powers. Skills are powers. Talent or experience is power. Your power doesn't automatically give you authority. You can be more educated than your manager. But your education doesn't give you authority. 
as a Christian, we are called, you are called to honor authority in your life. Honor is respect in the heart. As we said last week, respect is honor on the outside. Honor is respect in your heart. And you should honor authority at work, authority on the street, authority in society. So what happens when authority is wrong? God permits us to resist authority if their decision is wrong. Oh, you feel some relief because that's what you do all the time. (laughs) Now we can talk, isn't it? (laughs) Here is the truth about it. When authority is wrong, doesn't mean when they make a decision you don't like. There is a difference between a bad idea and a wrong idea. Uh huh. There is a difference between something wrong and something bad. Authority is wrong when their decision conflicts with God's command. Only, only. You might not like it. If it doesn't conflict with God's command, submit to it. When authority is wrong is when they're asking you to do something not biblical. Any other idea that you don't like from your husband, just submit. Hey, sorry, your wife, your wife, your wife, your wife. Acts chapter 5, 27 to 29. After they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin. And the high priest asked, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this, in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The apostles gave us an example of when to say no to authority. When they ask us to do something that God is not asking us to do, something against the word of God, against the will of God, we say no. We see this example all over the scripture. We see this kind of attitude all over the scripture. They did not refuse to stop paying taxes. In fact, Jesus recommended, Jesus gave them even money to go and pay taxes. And you know what? They were very high taxes. Very high taxes because the Romans were really killing them. The taxes were very, some people, some scholars say it was above 70%, but still Jesus paid it. A bad idea is not a wrong idea. We've confused those two things. They did not refuse to stop at the red light. They did not refuse to obey the law of the land. They refused to disobey God. When authority asks us to disobey God, we can say no. When authority acts unjustly, we have the right to protest. It is our right. But, 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 we also need to remember that by opposing authority, we will face consequences of our protest because we are still under authority. You will face consequences for disobeying authority. That's why Christians should take their vote seriously. Check the candidate that fits the scriptures, then vote for them. 
check the policies, go in the Bible, or do this match with my values? Oh, yes, I will vote for this person. When authority is absent, this is not always ideal, but it happens. And some people even prefer a situation where all structures are burned down. I think teenagers would love this. When authority is absent, God is the ultimate authority in place. I grew up without a father. He, he died when I was two months old, 60 days old. My mother, my brothers, my sisters tried their best to look after me and discipline me. They did their best. I'm extremely grateful to my mother for praying for me and playing both the role of a father and a mother at the same time. I, I really thank God for my mother. But growing up, I kept asking God why he didn't let my father leave to raise me up. Why, why God took my father? And remember, he was a Christian. He was a pastor. So I was blaming God. Why did you take him? You could even give me 20 years just to grow up with him. But God never answered that question. God really... Let me live with that prayer. I, I, there, is a, there are moments where I saw the kid with their fathers and I was like, God, bring my father back. As a young boy, it was a void in my heart. I wanted my father back. It was a struggle until around 21, when I was around 21, I decided to fast and pray and there were many prayer subject in that prayer but one of the reasons is because I blamed the lack of a father to my poverty uh, my poverty to lack of a father so I, I, I believe that I lacked things in my life because my father was not around to provide for me I could see what other boys could afford uh, but I couldn't because my father was not around so it was really a struggle to me and I fasted. Water only, no food, nothing. I wanted to do 20, uh, 40 days. Oh, I got to a place where I told God, if you don't answer, I will, if I perish, I will perish. I will fast until you answer me. On the 28th day, I received a call from my pastor that God has answered, you should stop fasting. Wow, 28 days, I was very, 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 very skinny. Very finished, like water only. But the burden was just too heavy to quit. And in the night, I saw myself, this was a vision, not a dream. I was awake. I was awake, there was a radio playing, my brother was sleeping on the bed uh, next to me, and I was on the bed, and a, ro a radio was playing after midnight, it was late in the night. And I saw myself being wrapped in bandages, being wrapped in bandages, and my whole body was wrapped in bandages, and I couldn't move anymore. And then I saw a beautiful hand. 
I can't tell you the, the color of the hand. So sometimes we want to know if Jesus is white or black. I, I couldn't really tell. It was just glorious. Glorious. And that hand came. Every time I say, in Jesus' name, that bandage stops. And if I stopped saying in Jesus' name, it keeps going. So in Jesus' name, it stops. When I stop, it keeps going. And finally, I got tired. It's just wrapped me, all my body. And that hand came. And when it touched the bandage, it broke the bandage as a string snapped when it touched fire. It was just broken, broken, broken. And I felt this relief, this freedom. And I heard a voice saying to me, I'm Jesus, your father. I can't tell you, church, what that voice did to me. My heart was like someone who's been in the desert for 40 days and they give them a glass of cold water. I was like something peaceful in my heart. Jesus is my father. That reality, I used to hear it. But that day it became alive to me. I, I, I feel it. I feel it now. Every time we sing that song, I know you as a father. Every time I get there, I cry a little bit. Even today, when Paul sang that part, I know you as a father. Even now I feel it. Jesus is my father. He said to me, I've been there all this time. I've been there all this time. When you needed healing, I healed you. When you needed protection, I fought for you. My father was looking after me. He kept me safe. That reality changed my life. I, I, I don't think of my biological father anymore. Since then, I, I got satisfied with Jesus being my father. When authority is absent, God is in charge. When authority is absent, Jesus steps in. You think you grew up without a father or your father was absent. Maybe he abandoned you. Maybe your father was not there. Maybe he was irresponsible. Jesus was there. And Jesus is still there. When authority is absent, Jesus steps in. I don't know your relationship with your father. I don't know your relationship with your father, but I want you to know that Jesus has always been there and will always be there. My life has become just like that. Just like that. 
everything. I, my wife said, oh, you don't to do with this. I'm like, my father will pay. Don't worry. <laughs> and he does it. He proves me right all the time. All the, you can ask her stories. He feeds us. He takes my children to school. He, he looks after me. I can go on and on with stories, but let's go back to the note. Let's go back to the note. Where was I? When authority is right, Romans 13, 1 to 2, let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then... The one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Romans 13, 7. Pay your obligations to, every, to everyone. Taxes to those who owe taxes. Tolls to those who owe tolls. Respect to those who owe respect. And honor to those who owe, to those you owe honor. Submission to authority is not commanded when authority is good. <laughs> not when we like the leader and we agree with everything they say. Authority is right when what they ask us does not contradict God's words full stop. Everything else we submit. Strange concept in the West. I'm also Westerner now, and I'm raising Westerns. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get reminded all the time that we are not in Africa. All the time. This is Australia. I know. I brought you here. This is Australia. Yes, I know. Order in the church. 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Double honor to your pastors, double honor for your spiritual leaders. That's another uncomfortable truth in the Bible. Double honor. I know this text has been abused, but anything has been abused. We've seen politicians abusing their power. We've seen doctors abusing their position. And so I'm not going to speak on behalf of the pastors who have abused their, their authority. I'm speaking on faithful pastors. On behalf of faithful pastors, they deserve double honor. Double honor. Let me tell you why. James 3.1. Not many should become teachers. This is a warning. My brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. Ah, you owe them double honor because they will receive st stricter judgment, double judgment. If God will just spank you a little bit, God will be on pastors. I didn't say it. That is scripture. That is scripture. Look at Moses. Just one mistake, God says you are not entering. Ah, oh God. God deals with pastors and ministers very, very differently. They represent an office. If you, you don't respect that guy with the skinny jeans or broken jeans and stuff, that's not what you're looking at. You honor that office 
When you receive a word, you believe that word is coming from the authority that has the power to say it, the authority to say it. You will receive it. That's how people miss their blessings. You, when you honor an office, you honor the person in that office. God honors you. God honors honoring people. There are always some people over you and people under you. Treat the people above you how you would like to be treated by those under you. Honor the volunteer at the door who is welcoming you to church and tells you to sit somewhere. Honor the road worker when they say stop, 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 stop. Honor the receptionist at the office. You know, some of us, because we have the relationship with the boss, you don't want to go through the assistant. So you just come, is John here? Yeah, okay. No, stand there, wait. Wait for the receptionist to tell you. She is in charge, he is in charge. When you enter somebody's office, the receptionist is in charge. Wait on the line. Honor your team leader, honor your supervisor, your manager, your director. By following directions without complaint. It should be in us Christians. We should be the best employees. We should be the best employees. Don't just work hard when they are watching. That's what Paul was telling them. Don't just work hard when they are watching you. You should be first at work, last to leave. Christians. You should be confident when you are employing Christians. You, you know, we, sometimes we say, God I'm looking for someone to work for me. Let it be not someone from the church, God. I don't want someone from the church. They take it for granted. They take it for granted, God. Don't send me just someone else who will come and work hard. It shouldn't be like that. It should be someone. For, God, send me. I'm looking for someone to employ. Let it be someone from the church. They get there early. They are committed. They work hard. They don't just ask for sick leave, sick leave, every... Okay. Where were we, Doug? <laughs> we were at husband, lay down your lives for your wives. That's where we were. <laughs> honor your parents. Honor your wife. Honor your husband. Honor the people around you and God will honor you. There is always authority. There is often authority everywhere you go. There is always someone in charge. Honor, honor authority. It should be in us as Christians. God loves it. God blesses it. When we honor authority. Let's make room for God's blessings. Honor makes room for God's blessings. We follow an orderly God who blesses order. God will honor you as you honor him, as you honor people. 